there. Just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast or even watch it on YouTube. I would love to hear what you think. I would love to get any suggestions and understand what kind of content you're looking forward to hearing more about. So please rate, please comment, please subscribe. And if you leave a review for the podcast, you'll get a freebie for efficient goal setting. So make sure to do that. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hi there, just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast or even watch it on YouTube. I would love to hear what you think. I would love to get any suggestions and understand what kind of content you're looking forward to hearing more about. So please rate, please comment, please subscribe. And if you leave a review for the podcast, you'll get a freebie for efficient goal setting. So make sure to do that. Welcome to the podcast, She is Fab, where we discuss all things fab, women empowerment, and life coaching. My name is Evelyn, also known as the Fab Chief Desk, and I am a mindset transformation coach. Welcome to another episode of the She is Fab podcast. My name is Evelyn, your host, mindset transformation coach. And today I am joined by Laura Folks. She is a certified holistic health coach supporting busy adults who know that they should be eating better, but have a hard time consistently sticking to their diet. So working with Laura can radically transform your relationship with food and help you get to the bottom of why you fall off track in order to achieve sustainable results towards both healthy eating and a healthy relationship with food. Welcome, Laura. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. 
I'm so glad to have you and I'm excited as well for the conversation. So tell us a little bit more about your background. What led you to become a certified holistic health coach? So really, it had to do with my own weight loss journey and my own weight story, I guess, and journey. So I really started struggling with my weight around the age of 12, and I would do multiple diets, lose weight, gain it all back, plus more. And I just constantly felt like I was really battling food and just kind of, it was something that I thought about a lot and I turned to food a lot for comfort and things like that. And so I got to a point where I was really burned out from dieting and talked to my doctor. We worked on a plan. I ended up going through a few different approaches over about three years to lose weight. And it was a good thing that it was slow and it took three years because each step along the way and each process that I tried just helped me to, I think, believe that I could actually make changes long term. And so I finally lost 60 pounds in 2008. And I was, <laughs> thank you, um, I was keeping it off. So I was working in advertising at the time as well. I was keeping it off and people were coming to me, like my friends and coworkers were coming to me asking me for advice and guidance on how come, how was I able to be keep up my willpower, be so disciplined. And I just really was passionate about talking about my journey with them and helping them along on their journeys. So as my passion for the industry and for my job started to to really dwindle, I started to think about what else I wanted to do. And it took me a while to really figure it out. I think it took actually about four years, but I kept thinking about, do I want to become a nutritionist or dietitian? And I, the thought of going back to school and investing a lot of money into another degree wasn't really appealing. And so when I learned about health coaching, I figured out that that was really what I wanted to do. So I started getting my certification as a health coach. And at that point, so now I have been maintaining my weight for a while, because at this point, this is like 2014 that I'm getting my certification. I have more information than ever. And my weight starting to creep up again. And part of that was that I started to realize that I was kind of in a, a cycle where I would eat well for a while, say, screw it, eat whatever I wanted. Then I would put on a couple of pounds again, have to rein it back in to get back on track. And it was just like a cycle that I was, I kept like sabotaging myself, even though I knew what I was supposed to be doing. So as I was getting my certification, I, met my health coach and started working with her. And that's when I really started to explore my relationship with food and what was leading me into that cycle of self-sabotage and what food was really representing in my life and why I was turning to it. And that's when the light bulb, I kind of like went off where I was, I thought to myself, this is what I want to do because it had such a big impact for me in my life and my relationship with food. So I really wanted to help other people to see, to help them get to the bottom of why they eat and why they're, they self-sabotage and are not able to be consistent and why they feel like they're lacking willpower. That's really what led me to do what I do now. I always find it very interesting when I hear coaches talk about, you know, what led them to transition some folks obviously were like, this is what I want to do. And, and that's it. But most of us have transitioned from one career or capacity of work to another. 
And as I always say, I feel like the folks that find more success are those that have direct experience in what they're coaching on, what they're helping people with. So when it comes to the fact that you had the transition and you kind of figured out what niche you wanted to go into, was that transition also led due to the fact that folks were coming to you to find out what your process was, how you were doing things? Yeah. And I think that because people can relate to my story, that is really helpful. And also because of the fact that I've been through the process myself, they, I can tell my clients when they're going through a tough spot, feeling like they're stuck, if they're feeling like it's really hard to dig into the emotional reasons that they're eating, I can tell them confidently that it gets better because I've been there before. Mm-hmm. So being able to have the empathy and being able to say, I've been where you are and it does, this process does work and it does get better. I think it puts a lot of my clients at ease as well. And they feel it also helps because I don't bring judgment into our sessions at all. And I try to create a safe of a space for people to share and open up about what their experiences are. And I was on a client call earlier today where she was talking about something that a memory that came up for when she was in third grade at, at eight years old and she got emotional And I want to create that space for them so that they feel comfortable so they can do that. So we can really get to the bottom of what has led them to eat the way that they are right now and not being able to be consistent. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's very important that you use your experience to help others as a coach. And I feel like one of the things that I see that is common when it comes to like weight loss or anything with with diet uh, or exercise is that folks want to work with people who have gone through the similar process. They want to work with people who they know have had their own struggles. What was I looking at their day? There, I was looking at something on social media and they were advertising some sort of workout. And one of the comments was said, you know, you guys should really include folks who look more like your average person, right? Having these really mm-hmm. fit individuals showcase your, pro- your product doesn't inspire me or motivate me because... I'm not there. I want to see somebody who started from point A and is now at point B. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually, this new client that I signed up last week, she was talking about when she was doing her initial research, she found my website to be really relieving and relatable because all the other websites that she had been to had a lot of before and after pictures and it was all about the transformation and the amount of weight lost and stuff. And I throughout in everything that I talk about, I don't promise weight loss because there's no guarantee. And for some people, their eating actually gets worse before it gets better because we are digging into a lot of the emotional stuff and it is very vulnerable. And so I don't talk at all about if my clients in like their testimonials and their experiences talk about how much weight they lost, that's great. But oftentimes they're really coming to me to figure out why they've been stuck in this pattern of losing weight, gaining weight, losing weight, gaining weight, and not being able to have it be sustainable. Mm -hmm. And so weight loss is ultimately a goal, but it's not the main goal of why they start working with me. So yeah, having, and I agree, like having those idealized views of what somebody's body looks like, or 
what they can get to, it may not feel realistic to a lot of people. And so it's not relatable. And so they may not want to work in a program like mm-hmm. that. What I like about what you said is that the weight loss can be a result, right? Of them mm-hmm. doing the action, doing the work, but it's not what you're directly aiming to accomplish. A lot of times when you see these ads, whether it's for physical exercise or a detox tea or a clothing item, what have you, they're all saying, try this and you're going to accomplish potentially this much weight loss. But mm-hmm. that's not realistic because every person is unique. And if you're not following the exact formula, which, you know, it's not just exercise, it's your food and your relationship with food, you're actually not going to reach those results. So when it comes to you as a holistic health coach, you're tackling it from a different perspective. Uh, but clarify for me, is it solely about the relationship with food or, or does more go into it? The majority of what we talk about often is the triggers and what it is that is leading somebody to eat so that we can really understand the why. But really what we are looking at is how we were socialized to to function around food, weight, our bodies, like how what was learned from that. And then being able to transition and transform that into being more self-authoring so that we are the ones that are figuring out what's right for us and our bodies. And right now, because we're functioning in more of this like socialized way of being, we're only seeing two options, which are either options A or B, which is a lot of times when people are functioning in like the all or nothing mindset or thinking of things in black and white. And there's a gray area and there's a lot in between of the all or nothing. And so what we work towards is figuring out what that gray area is and where is that in between of the all or nothing so that we can start to see other options that we may not be seeing. And what we really are looking at too is how the our behaviors and our stories and habits and everything have become protective and how they're trying to keep us emotionally safe and they're not necessarily serving us. It has served us in many ways, in many aspects of our lives, and it's not necessarily serving us anymore. So we're really looking at how is it not serving us anymore? And so then we can test new behaviors as we're getting into more of that self-authoring, testing new behaviors to see that that my clients can be safe when they're trying these new behaviors that may feel vulnerable and doing it in a way that we're building the resilience so that they can continue to put themselves out there and take these risks, even though they may seem small. So just to give you an example to like bring this to life a little bit, one of my clients, we were talking yesterday about how she just moved into an apartment and she needs to furnish the whole thing, but she's falling into analysis paralysis and has not been able to make decisions and like She might find something that she likes and then she'll be like, okay, let's buy it. And then she's like, wait, actually, is this the right decision? And so what we've been looking at is, A, where is that coming from? And she realized actually that she's putting each decision, making it make or break of like, if I buy the wrong thing, then I'm going to be judged for it and could be potentially rejected. I mean, this seems really extreme, but emotionally, this is what it feels like is at risk Mm -hmm. is that somebody might come in. She might be judged. And she also thinks that she has to hold on to the, each piece of furniture for the rest of her life. And that's mm-hmm. why it's make or break. And so it has to be the perfect choice. And so what we're testing is how can she make quicker decisions that will 
and being able to separate that, like, what are her needs and functioning more from what's important to her as opposed to thinking about what she thinks she should be doing to make other people who she doesn't even know who these other people are. Mm -hmm. But like, I mean, part of them are her parents or like maybe some friends and stuff, but what might they, how might they judge her if they think that her decision is not right? Mm -hmm. And so that kind of brings it to life a little bit more, but that's a lot of what we're doing. And how that ties to food is that when somebody falls into that analysis paralysis and is overthinking for her, she goes to, okay, I'm not being productive or I'm not making a decision. Let me go eat because that will make me productive. I can make the decision. And she ends up overeating usually and binging or going through a drive through or something that she doesn't necessarily want to eat. And she knows won't make her feel good. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a good point. Um, Two things that I got from that that I want to call out is the uh, black and white frame of thinking, right? Uh, I, mm-hmm. see, I believe that folks, or what I've seen based on experience with folks who have that frame of mind where it's black and white, they usually struggle a lot through life. There's a lot of misalignment because let's face it, mm-hmm. the world and life does not live in black and white. There are those shades of gray. So when it comes to something like diet or mindset or, you know, what you're eating, your your working out. If you have that black and white mindset, you might say, you know what, I'm going to eat this pizza. And since I ate this pizza, I might as well just fall off my diet completely and just, and just keep it moving. Or they think that they have to just eat leafy greens and that's it. Right. There's just these two Mm -hmm. uh, very extreme opposing forces. Yes. I will tell you from personal experience, I used to have that mindset. I actually went through my own uh, weight loss journey and it wasn't until I had an aha moment and then reached out to a professional to help me to address my eating because I used to be uh, an emotional eater. Once I did that, I was able to really take control of the reins and really have the weight loss that I wanted to have. And not, not for vanity, it's really because I wanted to have more, more mobility, uh, be more active and have more options open to me and how I could dress and how I could engage. But it took someone like you, you know, talking to someone, figuring out how they could help me going through those action steps to actually have that happen. I needed the help. And I'm sure someone out there listening might need your help as well. Yeah. I mean, being able to ask for support, I I find that a lot of people, a lot of my clients, especially, they feel so alone in their food challenges that they're experiencing because they don't really share it with other people because there's a lot of shame and guilt around it. And so they are constantly stuck in their head around it. And we're also taught like the more effort you put in, the more you get out. Right. And even the dieting dieting industry talks about that. And so when we're overthinking, we think we're being productive by thinking about like, Oh, I need to get back on track or, Oh, I should be eating this or I shouldn't be eating this and let me plan my food. And let like, it gets to be exhausting and stressful and stuff. And a lot of times it's not overly productive. And a lot of times people are not sharing what they're actually experiencing mm-hmm. and how it really is stressing them out or adding they're not able to be present or connect with people as well as they would like to. They feel isolated. And so that is, it can be really helpful to a recognize that Mm -hmm. and b recognize that there are people out there that can help you through that and that you don't have to do it alone. And 
that's something. And again, since I've been through it too, I can say like, I like to be that person to help so that you can have that safe space. And it's awkward sometimes for people to start opening up and sharing about their journey and what they're experiencing, Mm -hmm. but it's so relieving to be able to share that and to reach out and taking that first step is always the hardest, but it's also so helpful when you're able to take that step and reach out and there's no shame in needing some guidance. Mm -hmm. I've had so many coaches in my life. Oh, haven't we all right? (laughs) Even as coaches, (laughs) we still work with coaches to just, you know, self-develop a little bit further. Because we're all a continuous, you know, development process. Yeah, um, definitely. The second point that I wanted to bring bring up uh, based on what you said, and which I actually have a question for you on. Have you heard about the willpower meter when it comes to decision making? No, I'm so curious, though. Tell so me. So <laughs> the idea behind this is that we have a limited capacity with our willpower we're making decisions, right? From the moment we get up, mm-hmm. we're making decisions in one way or another, right? Whether it's what am I going to have for breakfast? What am I going to wear? Uh, if you're a woman, makeup, hair, all that. These are all decisions. Obviously, some decisions have a higher weight than others. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to decisions around food, people have less willpower or it's categorized as, as a decision that doesn't have a lot of weight. And so they're more uh, free or lackadaisy when it comes to their choices around food. So I'm wondering, you know, one, if you had heard of that, which you said, you know, you haven't yet. Um, But do you think that could factor in, right? The fact that we have all these things going on or making all these choices. And so our willpower is slowly being depleted throughout the day. Yeah. So the way that I like to think about it is, Yes, it can be those choices, but I actually think that it's more of the, there's all these external circumstances. So I don't actually believe in willpower. I think that I'll use the word willpower just because I think a lot of people can relate to it, but there's a unconscious process and cycle that we're going through often when we feel like we're self-sabotaging or are lacking willpower. And I'll walk through the the cycle first and then I'll answer the question because that might give a little bit more context as to where I'm going with this. But we start out with having a trigger and there's four common triggers where we're feeling tired, anxious, inadequate, or lonely. And with anxiety, there can also be uncertainty. And so when that meter is like, we're having all of these decisions. If those decisions are feeling like there's a risk and we are feeling emotionally like we're there's like our safety is at threat and that's triggering us to feel tired, anxious, inadequate, or lonely, it's going to be a lot harder to make a quote unquote good decision when you get to food. And if they, these keep, these triggers keep building up throughout the day, it's like death by a thousand paper cuts. And so by the time you're faced with a decision of what to have for dinner, or there's a chocolate cake in front of you, it's like, screw it. I just don't care. Like, I'm just going to eat this chocolate cake or order the pizza. But to continue through the cycle, so you got the triggers and then there's a story. And the story was created earlier in life. It, we didn't have the full context of what was happening. So we typically made the whatever the situation was about us and made it like internally say something that like we were Maybe if we feel exposed, then we're inadequate and we might be rejected or something along those lines can be one version of a story. 
Then we have a stress response, and there are three stress responses. Just like with animals, when they go into fight, flight, or freeze, when they're at physical threat, we also go through um, three emotional stress responses, which are to compete, avoid, or accommodate. Mm -hmm. And each of those creates a behavior. And for avoiders, that's like the common procrastinator, exactly the client that I was explaining earlier, who gets into the analysis paralysis. Accommodators are those who don't want to rock the boat. They are constantly putting other people's needs ahead of their own and want to keep the peace. And then a competitor is somebody who compares themselves to other people, whether it's their bodies or skill sets. And they also compare their current version of their body often to a past version of their body. And they also feel like they're in a marathon, but the finish line keeps moving. So they never feel like they can catch up. They're always behind. So those are the behaviors from the stress responses. And then we eat on automatic pilot. We lose self-trust and it loops back into the trigger. So often when people feel like they're self-sabotaging or are lacking willpower, that's typically the cycle that they're in, which can make it feel like there's something wrong with me or like I only have so much capacity to make decisions. But each of those times, like you have one of those triggers, it's depleting you a little bit more emotionally. So if I, if you think of either, I have like two analogies I like to use is either little minnows that are nibbling away at your willpower or think of like sandpaper that's sanding you down as you're going throughout your day. And then you get to a point where you're just like, I can't take it anymore. And you just need to release and like be, if you think of that, like constricting you a little bit more and more and more, then you have to release. And that's where it's like, when you have the release and you finally have time to breathe, it's like, give me the food. Mm -hmm. So that is kind of explains what I think about willpower. (laughs) That was great. And it gave, like you said, there's no context uh, with your response. Um, I have to ask this because I'm curious, I've been seeing other coaches talk about our cycles when it comes to women and how Mm -hmm. our cycles can impact different areas in our life. I know for me, my cycle impacts how I eat. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I have no appetite. Other times I want to eat everything in the sink. So I'm curious if when working with your female clients, there is a point where you talk about the menstrual cycle, how that can impact the eating, or if anyone has asked you as a client about that. Yeah, it depends on what the context is. Like some clients want to explore if there's some hormonal issues that are causing them to retain some of their weight. And so typically I'll refer them out to like a dietitian or a naturopath or or have them get their hormones checked with their doctor. So that's one piece. And if there's somebody, and this is where it's really helpful to not look at things in black and white, right? Because through our cycles, that's our body's going through transitions. And so we need to be able to adapt with what our body needs at any given time. And so if we think that we can eat the same way day in and day out, our bodies actually need different things at different times. And during our cycle, we might need a little bit more fat or protein because it's harder to balance our blood sugar and things like that. And like when you're extremely hungry, that's a sign that there's something that you need, you're missing something or of a macronutrient. So it's definitely something that we can talk through and see if they are able to observe that. Also with hormones, like our emotions can be a little bit more like, I don't want to say crazy because that labels them, but like they can get out of whack and it can be harder to manage them. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, yeah, like we can work on stuff like that, but hormone stuff, like 
depending on what it is, I will refer out for that. Mm -hmm. If it's more of things of like, I'm having more cravings, we'll look and see if there is something that's missing from like a macronutrient perspective that needs to be optimized. Or is it more of there's some emotional stuff that's coming up in terms of like that cycle, that, that unconscious cycle that I was just talking through. Mm -hmm. And do we need to explore that? Is there like a new angle of their story or are they um, in one of their stress responses that they haven't necessarily recognized? And so we'll look at that piece as well. That's good to know. Um, Because yeah, a lot of things revolve around our cycle. And like you said, hormones can have an impact. Um, So tell us about your coaching, your coaching program. Uh, Is there a minimum, uh, set of coaching sessions that you advise, or do you have a kind of set in place program that you offer? Yeah, the program that I offer is called Truce with Food. Um, and it was actually developed by my health coach and I've been trained in it and um, she mentored me through it and everything. And I've been running that with clients for the last five years. And the process, the approach that I take is we can start with for people who because this process is so different than anything that people have typically gone through before, I have an option where people can dip their toe in the water to see if the process and approach is right for them. And that is a two month program. And the way that the program is structured is the first session we meet for an hour and 45 minutes, and we really are getting into that story. So from that unconscious cycle that people go through, we dig into the story. It's an hour and 45 minute session because we get clear on their goals, how it would improve their life. Some of the good habits that they're currently doing that are helping them work towards their goal, as well as the bad habits that are keeping them stuck and also that protective habit. And then we get into their story. So really helping them to figure out what is leading them to fall off track and not be consistent. From there, we meet every other week and then it's just an hour session after that. And from the two months, if Either they can continue into a six-month program if they want to. Some people get what they want or feel like the approach isn't necessarily right for them. So after the two months, we might finish up. Otherwise, we can go into the six-month program. And that's also an option if somebody, we talk and they're like, nope, this is exactly the approach that I need. I'm in. We can go into the six-month program as well. And so that's structured the same way as the first two months. And then it's just meeting every other week for an hour after that. Gotcha. Now is that, um, so you have the two months versus the six months, right? Uh, is there any, are there phases in your program? Um, in terms of phases, it's more of, I guess it kind of is phases. Like the first four sessions is really doing some unearthing and like digging up and bringing clarity as to, what are the triggers? What are the stress responses? What is your story? What, how are you protecting yourself? And like, what is that protective side and characterizing that from there, we then get into some tools and we're obviously talking about tools to use to cope, like figure out what to do now we're, that we're uncovering all of that. But then we really get into more of the tools. Um, and then we also get into the story revision piece So once we have your story, we don't want you to stay there because it's no longer serving you. So how can we self-author you into a new version of the story to get you from that socialized way of being to more of what we call boss mindset, where you're doing the choosing and picking as opposed to feeling like you should or you have to operate in a certain way. Mm -hmm. And now when it comes to your clients, do you work with both men and women or is it solely women? 
I work with both. I've had male clients, but I would say probably 90% of my clients are women. Mm -hmm. And then in terms of the coaching, is it solely one-on-one or do you also have like group coaching sessions? We do one-on-one and I also have um, a group program that I run once or twice a year. I actually have a group that's kicking off on May 1st. So I'm not sure when this is going to air, but we are kicking off May 1st. And then I also do have a self-study program as well. That's five lessons. So if somebody wants to just start exploring stuff on their own and see um, what they uncover and discover, that's an option as well. That is so great that you have these different packages that somebody could partake in, right? Either one-on-one, two months, one-on-one, six months, or go through a coaching platform where there's community or go through a self-paced lesson. Yeah. Yeah. I found that I was finding that some people just are not ready for the support and doing the deep dive. And so that's why I figured the self-study would be a good option. And then I find that groups can be so helpful because I love the, I love group programs personally. And what you get out of it is not only the personalized support from the coach, but also having that community of people who are going through similar things. And even though somebody's life and situation and circumstances might be different from yours, you can learn so much from them. And just them sharing what they're going through can give you a different perspective to look at your life a little bit differently and what might be happening for you. And it can create a lot of ahas and things that you may not get to or think of on your own. So I love, I love groups as an option as well. Yes. People uh, can sometimes be a little hesitant when it comes to uh, group sessions because of vulnerability there, right? You're sharing things with a group of people, but I have to say, if you have that fear, really think about where that fear is coming from, because in my experience, and as Laura mentioned, when you have a community, there's more support. There can be things that somebody else is going through that really sparks and motivates you or that you can relate to. So there really is a lot of benefit to working in a group versus working alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the vulnerability piece is huge. And, and also like we were talking earlier about how we can often feel alone in this process, in the journey, it can also help create a little, like take you out of that isolation a little bit and allow you to connect with people, but it can, it can be really challenging, especially when we're talking about this food piece and the emotions and, and stuff that go behind that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so if, even if it feels a little bit uncomfortable, but it doesn't feel so uncomfortable to the point that it's paralyzing, then I think it's worth a try. If it feels paralyzing and you do operate better with one-on-one support, definitely go for that. Um, But the goal is obviously to create a safe space where people do feel comfortable and not judged and can get the support from not just me, but a whole group of other people as well. Mm-hmm. The judgment piece is also pretty big, right? Because we always assume that there's going to be some form of judgment, which can prevent us along with that fear, the hesitation from moving forward. But I recommend for those of you that are listening or watching that if anything resonates with you, if you have any sort of curiosity that you at least take the step to contact this professional everyone who is coaching or counseling or doing therapy has a discovery session it's a free no obligation session where you can ask your questions you can learn more about the coach 
And you can dig a little deeper to see if it would be a partnership that would be beneficial for you. So at least take that step. Again, if you have anything that is prompting you out of curiosity or any issues that you know you might want to work on, but you're not quite sure, you're kind of hesitant, just reach out and, and see how things progress. Absolutely. And I actually call my sessions curiosity calls. Oh. And so they're 40 minutes. And it's, I'm curious to hear from you as to what is what are your challenges? What are your goals? What's been swirling around in your mind? Let's talk about what type of support you could use. And then I want you to bring your curiosity as well, because I want you to, to check and see if my approach is right for you, because it's not for everybody. And I know that. And if I feel if you tell me that, as we're talking through of what is coming up for you, what kind of support you could use. If I'm not the right fit for you, I will see if I have a recommendation of a referral that I can send you to so that you can get the support that you need and want. I love that. Cause yes, coaches are here to help you. Even if that means we're not the best fit for you, we'll refer you out to somebody who can. And if we don't have anyone in mind at the moment, we provide resources where you can do your own research to locate said individual. Yep. So Laura, are there exactly. any tips you can provide for the audience that they could implement now? Yeah. So um, I think one tip would be if you are able to think about those triggers, it can be really helpful to just, we use clarity as the process and the tool throughout this program. And so with thinking about, I like to use the acronym TAIL for those triggers. So that's feeling tired, anxious, or uncertain inadequate and lonely. What you can do is really think about the last time that you ate out of alignment with your goals and, or we're overeating, stress eating, emotionally eating, whatever, however you, it comes up for you and map out your day and think about all the times that you felt any of those emotions or really think about not just the circumstance of what happened, but what did you make it mean about you? So let's say you got an email from your boss that had a perceived tone or you had a meeting that you got some negative feedback. It wasn't just that you had the negative feedback or you got this email. What was it about that email or what was it about the feedback in the meeting that what did it trigger in you? Like, what did that bring up for you? And you can Think about those tail emotions. So did that make you feel, probably not tired, but did it make you feel anxious, inadequate, or lonely? Like you could feel isolated um, from that email. And mapping out the day can be really helpful so that you can see all the times that you had any of those triggers and what they were so you can figure out what some of your common triggers are. And then starting with that to just get some clarity and awareness of what is leading you to eat. It's not usually one big event. And that's what we want to do by going through that exercise is seeing that it's usually a death by a thousand paper cuts. And it's more of a lot of little triggers that end up. It's like that willpower thing, mm -hmm. right? Like they say it's a lot of decisions, but I say it's a lot of triggers that make it more challenging for you to be able to actually eat in alignment with your healthy eating goals. And so that can be, um, it's not really like a, a tip, but it's more of a tool mm -hmm. that you can use to like journal to see what is leading you to eat. That's a great piece of advice for those of you that are listening and watching. And then in terms of your coaching, I know you're working through the holistic approach with getting to the root of the matter, assessing the mindset, mm -hmm. which is part of it. 
and then offering tools and resources to help with that. Are some of the tools and resources uh, that you use involve actually planning out uh, diets for your client? No, so I don't nor I don't help plan like meal plans or anything like that. What we can do is if somebody is craving some sort of structure, often they'll I've had some clients who have gone on Whole30 or gone on Weight Watchers or something like that. And what we talk about is, A, we get to see how their triggers are coming up in their stories and stuff when they feel like they're falling off track. So it does give us a little bit more insight as to what's happening. And we also work on how can they make it their own? Because when we're thinking of, like, when we go all the way back to the beginning of our conversation, where there's the black and white, all or nothing thinking, often when we're looking at a diet or a way of eating, like the Whole30, we want to be perfect with it. And we want to follow it to a T. And that might help and that might work for some people. But also, how can we make it work for you and your lifestyle? Because if you're following Whole30 to a T, you basically have to cook all of your meals. Mm -hmm. And that may not work for your lifestyle. So how can we adapt and make it work for you? And then also, um, like with Weight Watchers, you know, sometimes they talk about with the amount of points that are in good fats like avocado People don't want to eat the avocado because they want to save their points for something else. Mm. However, we will experiment with seeing if they eat a little bit of avocado, how do they feel? And if that, if they feel good about it, like good with having the good fats where they're have more sustained like satiety levels in between meals and um, don't crave as much sugar, Mm -hmm. then is it worth it for them to go a little bit over their points to have a little bit of avocado? So like, those are the types of things we'll look at and how can we make it work for them mm-hmm. and their lifestyle. And then also can use it as data and information. If they're not sticking to it, what's coming up and leading to that. That's really great because um, even though you're not planning out the meal for them, you're looking at the various areas, you know, how they're eating and relating that to one, the triggers, the story that you're hoping to reframe or rewrite. So it's still very beneficial right? Because you're offering, you look at this data, looking at how they're actually going about with their diet and then advising and strategizing to improve on the matter. Right. Yep. Yeah. And in Illinois, which is where I'm based, health coaches are actually not allowed and like legally able to give out meal plans Mm. Um, that has to come from like a dietitian or a nutritionist. Mm. So just a lot of health coaches do and a lot of personal trainers do, um, but we're not, they're not supposed to. So. Yeah, that's a good point that's that you bring up. <laughs> you you know, as a coach, definitely understand what you are able to help your client with and what you can't. There are legalities mm-hmm. depending on what it is. Um, so it's, it's, it's a good thing that you know <laughs> your, your lane, you know, stay in your lane. Mm-hmm. But I also know there are some coaches who have additional credentials. Maybe they went to school for a topic and so they have more power with how they operate. But yes, that's a good point. Yeah. Stay in your lane, guys. <laughs> you don't want anything coming down on you, nor do you want to do any harm, right? Right. Yep, exactly. And that's exactly why I think is because dietitians have more education in how each food interacts with your body and has more of like the science based, um, education Mm -hmm. then. And so like, if somebody has some really complicated 
autoimmune conditions or diabetes or not that, I mean, yeah, like diabetes or anything, any conditions, you don't want to give any advice that's going to cause harm Mm -hmm. to somebody. Exactly. So Laura, how can folks connect with you and find out more about what you do? My website um, is laurabfolks.com. And on there, there's all the information about me, the programs and everything. You can sign up for a curiosity call if you find that you are having a hard time being consistent and are falling off track and want to get to the bottom of why that continues to happen. I'd love to chat with you. And um, you can sign up for that on the website or you can also email me the next time you feel like you are falling off track. And if you want to um, talk through any of those triggers and get some help as to what could be leading to that, feel free to email me at laura at laurabfolks.com and we can chat through that over email as well. Thanks so much for sharing that, Laura, and for being on the podcast, you know, talking about you, about your program and how you help these individuals gain control over their story and their relationship with food. Thank you so much for having me. You are welcome. So guys, as usual, we're going to put all the details of how to get in touch with Laura uh, in the podcast detail and the YouTube details. Highly recommend you go check her out, follow, subscribe, like. And again, if anything in this podcast has resonated with you, if you have any sort of curiosity, like Laura says, book a curiosity call. I love that name. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Any bring last your curiosity thoughts? and I'll bring mine. Yes. <laughs> Any last thoughts you want to share before we uh, say goodbye? Not that I can think of. I think we covered quite a bit. All right. Well, thank you again. We'll definitely keep in touch on social media. Guys, again, please follow and get in contact with Laura if you feel that she can benefit you. Thank you. All right, guys, as I always say, preparation, accountability, execution, and resolve are keys to your success. Until next time. So as you know by now, we're all about informing and empowering women. Well, now there's the addition of the She Is Fab shop where there is empowered fashion, printables, journals, mugs, and face masks. Check it out at www.sheisfab.net. That way you can purchase something for the lady, woman, or girl in your life. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company. They offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 